This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Master. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And this week, we caught up with Roger Lee. He's a general partner over at Battery Ventures, an entrepreneur and operator in his own right. He talked about the state of Silicon Valley, the state of the marketplace. It's a place where they have invested heavily. The world is different, and yet it is rife with opportunity, Carol. So, you know, life is, I'd say life is, is complicated. Uh, you know, I'd say work from home has been pretty stable. School from home is a lot trickier. So I've got three young kids. And so navigating uh, all the challenges with, with schoolwork has been, has been a little complicated. But our, our work and what we're doing day to day as investors really hasn't shifted that much. We're staying very active, have a, a bunch of themes we're very excited about. These are themes that, that we've been investing in a long time, you know, ranging from cloud computing to consumer marketplaces and, and believe these are, these are really durable uh, opportunities, you know, kind of pre-COVID and post-COVID. So we're continuing to stay very active and, uh, and looking for, for, you know, great entrepreneurs building, you know, transformative companies. And so we're, we're going to uh, continue to, to invest uh, even during, you know, what are, you know, otherwise pretty challenging periods. And the same types of entrepreneurs sort of coming at you, is it a, in the same flow or what's different about either what you're seeing or who you're seeing, Roger? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, the, the one big question a lot of us ask ourselves is, uh, you know, having meetings in person is virtually impossible these days. So are, yeah. are we going to invest in an entrepreneur we've never met in person before? We, we haven't had to cross that bridge just yet. Uh, there are a couple of opportunities we're looking at right now where, where we are asking ourselves that question. All, all of the investments we've made uh, since Shelter in Place have been with companies that we, we've known for a long time. We've had relationships with the entrepreneurs. They're part of themes we've been investigating for a while. So, so we haven't had to address that issue just yet. Uh, but depending on how long this goes on, uh, there's definitely a scenario where that question will come up and we'll, we'll have to figure it out. But, you know, the, the, um, in terms of, of the makeup and the composition of the entrepreneurs and the, the themes, that, that part hasn't changed too much. Um, again, we, we tend to be a pretty thematic firm. And so we have a handful of, of you know, product market spaces we, we go very deep into and, and invest in. And, and we, you know, we're excited about the themes we've been investing in and, and the entrepreneurs that are, are building companies in those categories. So, so that part hasn't actually changed too much. Uh, it's just the, the way we're, you know, doing diligence and, and how we're interacting with them purely over video. That's been the biggest, you know, probably the biggest shift. It sticks, right? It stinks or it sticks. <laughs> well, depending on <laughs> depending on the day, it can stink if there's too many of, of them. <laughs> no, but it, but it's I'd like it's a, little, <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, we're we're you know we're we're kind of professional meeting takers. You know, yeah. if you look at the calendars of, of the average investor, we're we're you know spending many many hours a day. Um, you know, meeting with entrepreneurs, uh, doing diligence on those those investments. Um, and so we spend huge portions of our, of our lives just literally sitting in conference rooms, meeting with people. And so uh, that part has shifted a lot. And it's hard for sure, because, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a belief, and I think there's a lot of, of logic to this, that, um, you know, you, you have to develop a relationship, you have to have chemistry 
with the entrepreneurs you're going to work with because we're typically in these investments for eight, 10 years, if not longer. Right. And the only way you can really navigate the inevitable ups and downs that happens is if you have a really good, you know, relationship and great chemistry with this person. I mean, it's, it's easier to get divorced than it is to get rid of your investor. And so, yeah. Uh, we we take these relationships very seriously. Uh, we only make a handful of investments every year. Well, let's continue our conversation with Roger Lee, general partner at Battery Ventures, who I'm so glad is still with us because probably yeah. listening to us hear about $1,000 haircuts, he's like, I thought this was a serious radio yeah, show. I'm done with these two. I was joining these two idiots. Uh, uh, by in the way, any case. Jason, I... I I can't believe you only spend a thousand dollars. Your hair looks great. I, I would have expected a lot more. Yeah, I, lot more. I appreciate that. Yeah, it sounds good on the radio often. too. I'm just gonna say, Roger, like almost what every week, every two every weeks? other week, every, every other, other week. week. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's like I go to Lenny, uh, you know, like down the street on Third Avenue, and you know, Lenny it takes, times twenty six. Uh, all right, well, it's like twenty bucks a pop. I all right, let's bring, Roger. let's bring in Roger. Roger. All right, so Roger, um, I mean. You know, one of the things in all seriousness, like I haven't been to Lenny, I haven't been doing all the normal things that I've been doing. And, you know, I I do think about sort of where our lives were, especially as consumers, and all the things that we had done when we traveled, whether it was me and my family staying in an Airbnb, whether it was Carol and I going to the airport and hopping in an Uber, you know, these marketplaces that we had come to rely on so much, I do wonder as an investor in, you know, a lot of names around this sector, as well as someone who is thinking about where to put future capital, how do you think of that business model going forward? Yeah, so we, we've been active investors in, in marketplaces for a long time, over a decade now, and continue to think that, that marketplaces will, you know, fundamentally change the way consumers live their lives on a day-to-day basis. So we, we are... Um, you know, very enthusiastic about these businesses. But I will say the past year has been a really, really interesting time. There's been a, a real kind of Darwinian separation uh, between between the winners and the losers. And that's been, you know, taking place in both the public markets and, and the private markets. Uh, you're seeing, you know, companies that, um, you know, really aren't, aren't well known and aren't as well uh, understood performing extraordinarily well, whereas some of the really big successful ones like the Ubers and the Lyfts have really, have really struggled. Mm. And so as investors, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what is, what is that recipe for success? What, it, what is separating the winners and the losers? So we, we look a lot at, at business model efficiency. Uh, we think there's been a very strong investor uh, change in sentiment from growth at all costs. This was the era of Uber and Lyft and WeWork a couple of years ago to now an, an era of really efficient growth. Uh, and this has, um, you know, I think separated a lot of the winning marketplaces from the losing marketplaces and the ones that adopted that mindset, the efficient growth mindset, uh, have performed a lot better. So we spent a lot of time trying to find, you know, those companies and trying to really focus on that. Do you think something like an Uber and Lyft, their viability longer term is questionable or is it just a pause right now because of the backdrop? No, there's definitely no existential question. They they will continue to survive. I just think that uh, their business model is is harder to execute on and there's real questions about how profitable it is long term. And and the public markets have, you know, have shown that to, you know, have, have reflected that in terms of their stock performance and their, you know, the multiples they trade at are, are a fraction of what some of their peers in, in, you know, the marketplace world trade at that, you know, um, have performed much better over the past year. And 
uh, trade at much higher multiples because they're running <clears throat> far more profitable companies. And so I don't, I don't think they're going to go away, uh, but I just think they really need to shift the operating model to be much more efficient businesses. Talking about shifting models, Roger, you know, I do feel like with retail, I do wonder if it's a bit of a barbell approach where people who can afford to will pay for companies that um, coincide with their beliefs, right? And whether it's their impact on the environment, who they hire, you know, um, and so on, or, or who's doing their manufacturing. And then at the low end, I mean, the last couple of weeks, the last 13 weeks with the virus, you know, we've seen, you know, a reminder of the inequalities in our world. And there's a lot of people who are at the lower end of the wage spectrum and the economic spectrum. And so they need those retailers, whether it's a Walmart or so on. Is that how you see in terms of the consumer space, retail space? Does it continue to move along that line? I think so. The, the, what we've really seen is the separation is much more to do with how asset heavy the retail business is. And the ones that have really struggled, the ones that are declaring bankruptcy and the ones that, that um, have really underperformed publicly uh, are the asset heavy retailers. They have big physical footprints and, and um, you know, large kind of fixed costs and how they operate. Whereas the ones that have thrived uh, are really asset light, if not totally digital. Uh, this is, you know, the obvious examples here, Amazon and Wayfair and businesses like that that have performed extraordinarily well uh, in, in this time frame. Um, and so that that seems to be kind of the clearest dividing line. And these were, you know, trends we were already uh, seeing over, you know, over the last, you know, 10 plus years. But what's really interesting is that, you know, it took us 10 years, if not 15 years to get to 10 percent, you know, penetration of e-commerce and total retail and in the last 12 weeks alone, that number has doubled. It's now 20%. Wow. And so uh, if there's been one seismic shift that we've seen from shelter in place, it's just the adoption uh, of, you know, digital online services from e-commerce to education to telehealth. All of these things have been really redefined over the past couple of couple of months here. And we've, we've taken five to 10 years of of, you know, experimentation and, and shifted it into one quarter. And so right. all the companies that were kind of digitally native are really benefiting. The ones that, that had, you know, old world assets, I think, are really struggling. So, Roger, I want to close our conversation just by asking a question we've been asking a, a lot of the smartest people we've had on this program. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about sort of the, the practice of what you do and, and maybe the theory as well in terms of your investment thesis. But I do wonder on the other side of this, and, and this was a question we started asking in the pandemic, but I think it's even more relevant given what we've seen over the last couple of weeks with some of the civil unrest and some of the really deep thinking that we're doing about society. What do you think changes permanently on the other side of this? As we get back to work or back to the office, as it were, and, and we get back into sort of thinking about who we want to be and what we want to be, what do you think sticks? Well, I think there, there's a macro and a micro to that. I think on the macro, you're going to see uh, a far greater distribution of opportunity and a far broader distribution of capital. Uh, historically, uh, innovation, you know, is very closely correlated to GDP. And so most of the capital was concentrated in the big, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of uh, GDP centers of, of the country. So, you know, Silicon Valley, yeah. uh, New York City, places like that. And if you look over time, that's shifting and that's now being accelerated by work from home and people being comfortable working over video. So more and more opportunities are going to shift out of those markets as people look for less dense places to live, more affordable places to live. 
And so I think you'll see really, really exciting businesses being built all over the place and not just in some of these kind of dense, you know, GDP and, and innovation yeah. quarters. I think that that's going to be the big macro shift, which, which is very healthy. And I think at the micro level, um, what I hope and what I expect is that every company uh, will take a very hard look at their own hiring, poli- uh, their own kind of hiring and inclusion policies and make a really concerted effort yeah. towards, you know, finding more diverse candidates, implementing the Rooney Rule, uh, and ensuring that people of all color and backgrounds have the ability to be successful inside their companies. And, and I think that will have an equally profound impact. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. And be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg. <laughs>